0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello everyone, welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we
1: are at midweek, thanks for joining us. Had a great visit yesterday in Clinton, Iowa, working with our affiliate KCLN. Yesterday afternoon, I had the pleasure of moderating an ag roundtable. A lot of... uh, Good discussion with several ag leaders from both Illinois and Iowa. And uh, we talked about a number of things and just a very good discussion and appreciate uh, the opportunity to do that. And thanks to KCLN, our affiliate there in Clinton, Iowa. Uh, for hosting a great uh, event yesterday. Well, coming up on our program today, we're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with uh, Robbo and we'll also be talking with the new CEO of the National Corn Growers Association, John Doggett will be with us a little bit later on. We'll get his thoughts and his goals as he assumes the leadership at uh, NCGA and we'll be talking with DTN's Todd Neely about some ethanol plant closings and some other things going on with uh, renewable fuels. That's a little bit later on in the program. But joining us right now is Kent Reed. He is author of a new study by Farm Credit Illinois' appraisal team looking at land values in the state of Illinois. Kent, thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. Thank you. All right, so your study looks at uh, the southern 60 counties of Illinois. What does it show?
2: Well, we just wrapped it up for 2018. Uh, we we reevaluate 20 benchmark farms every year this time, and uh, this year we had 15 of the 20 benchmarks that were down, uh, three showing basically no change, and two benchmarks actually up just a little bit. But overall results on an average show a decline in value of about 3.5% this year.
1: Did that surprise you, or when you put it in perspective of the trend the last few years, how do you view this report?
2: Uh, I think it was, uh, we, we expected a little bit of decline. Um, if you look at the past 15 plus years, you know, we have seen a, a dramatic increase uh, in land values, and, and in our market, probably 2014 was the peak. Um, 2015 was the first time that we had seen a decline in, in over 10, 15 plus years. Uh, 2016 and 2017, both were down, you know, uh, 6% and then another 4%. So, I mean, we expected with the uh, prices of commodities, uh, the interest rates starting to, to, to start back up, we, we kind of expected that it would be that.
1: But given those circumstances uh, and all those factors that you just cited, uh, I think the positive here, it, it's been a softening of the uh, of the land value uh, market rather than a crash, right? We could call it that. It, it's, it's gone down, but not the, the big drop that some had predicted or feared would happen.
2: That's exactly right, Mike. I mean, we have seen just a moderate decline over that last four years. Um So, you know, at one point they were saying it was kind of a real estate uh, bubble, but we've not seen that at all. It's just been moderate decreases in value from year to year.
1: As you said, overall average decline in values 3.5% in the southern 60 counties of Illinois, but there were actually uh, some farms that uh, some land values that went up. You get those special circumstances, right, and we still see those strong prices.
2: Absolutely, and, and one of the main reasons that I think we've seen just moderate declines is, is still it's a supply and demand. Um, in Illinois, less than probably 1% of available farmland is, is even available for sale each year, and, and so the supply is still fairly limited, and, and there's still good enough demand to, to keep these prices kind of um, at a stable value.
1: You know, that's an interesting point and a good point to make, Kent. I mean, when we look at uh, the the ag economy where it's at and we know the challenges that farmers are facing right now, yet uh, the demand for that land, if it comes up on on market, uh, comes up for sale, there's a strong demand for it.
2: There absolutely is. I mean, a lot of uh, Illinois farmland markets are really pretty closely held, and, and so with that limited supply, there's still enough uh, demand out there to to that they want that farmland.
1: And are you still seeing that in most cases when farmland comes on the market, it's being purchased by other farmers?
2: Yes. In, in our territory, a majority of it is still being purchased by uh, the local farmer.
1: Ken, I guess the big question now, of course, no one knows how much longer the the ag economy will stay down uh, and when we'll see that turnaround. Uh, so the big question is, if it stays down like this, the ag economy, uh, how will land values uh, react in the future? What will we see in the coming years? Uh, any thoughts on uh, how that could play out?
2: Well, I think, again, we're talking um, commodity prices and then, the topic that I'm sure you talk about every day is trade Um, as we've seen the negotiations on the trade um, that's huge for Illinois obviously our corn and soybean exports are are vital Um, so how that how those negotiations turn out are are gonna obviously affect land value Um, hopefully uh, they will work through these and, and it'll be a positive uh, hopefully in, a, in the short term. Um, interest rates are going to continue to rise. Um, you know, the Fed's expected to make another adjustment in them coming up. So all of those factors are kind of negative, but, but still there's not been a huge amount of supply out there. So I feel like we'll still see more of a steady decline and, and nothing major over this next few years.
1: You mentioned that this report shows the fourth consecutive year of decline in land values in the uh, southern 60 counties of Illinois, so four consecutive years. However, coming into this period, we had that really strong period where the ag economy was really booming, uh, so that has helped carry through these four years. I guess the question is, how much longer does that build up equity? How long? much longer does that carry us through this? Well,
2: and and that's a good question, and and one that probably there, there still is uh, the, a majority of the farmers are still fairly strong. I mean, they have seen a decline in working capital, uh, that type of thing. Fortunately, over the past three or four years, even with the, the moderate pricing, uh, our yields have helped us, especially in, in the southern part of our area, the soybean yields have been very good, so that's kind of helped maintain Uh, their working capital and maintain their position. But, you know, just depending on how long this uh, continues these low commodity prices and rising interest rates, um, it's definitely going to have a negative effect over the next few years.
1: Well, hopefully we'll see some more positive uh, things uh, develop on that front here soon. But uh, interesting look at where we're at now with uh, these land values. Kent, thanks for being with us.
2: Absolutely. Have a great day
1: you too. Kent Reed, he's the author of uh, Farm Credit Illinois' uh, study by their appraisal team on uh, the, uh, the farmland values in the southern 60 counties of Illinois, showing the fourth consecutive year of decline. However, it is a, uh, a moderate decline, and uh, 3.5% down in this recent study. So, um, appreciate Kent joining us and giving us a look. Always interesting to see how land values are doing, especially in a down ag economy. Well... When could things turn around with the markets? We're going to talk about that with Steve Nicholson with Bravo. That's coming up next. Stay with us. This is AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
3: Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture the farm bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.
4: Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? ParaSwabs is the 5-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of ParaSwabs, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is 5 minutes with ParaSwabs. In 5 minutes, you'll see an average of 2 shades whiter teeth, and in 7 days, 6 shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger. that lip stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try power swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276.
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Let's talk markets with the grain
1: and oil seeds analyst for Robo Steve Nicholson. All right, Steve. any good news for us morning. in the markets?
7: <laughs> good morning Mike. How are you? Um, it is a hard it is a hard uh, process or a hard task to try to find you know a nugget of good news in this market right now. Uh, particularly as you get on top you know we're really here on the cusp of harvest um, i think that you know i think you've had issues of course with weather in north carolina north carolina uh granted it is a horrific issue for those folks there and going to be very devastating crops there unfortunately it's not going to be enough to have you know a huge supply impact and i'm thinking soybeans in particular um it will be it will be good you know it will be somewhat friendly to cotton cottons already a you know, at a pretty good place anyway, although it's come down off its highs. Um, but you look at the corn and soybean situation and the fact that we got such large yield increases, you know, a week ago in the report, and you're just, you know, your head is just spinning looking at big, big um, ending stocks for corn and
8: soybeans.
1: And then news of more tariffs being placed on China, yeah. China talking about retaliation. I mean, that yep. that can't help either.
7: No, and then that's the other it will just label it bad news is that this does not seem to be wanting to end anytime soon it's interesting you know we've we've had chats of course you know you and i've had discussions i'm sure you've had discussions other as i have and you look at the united states and and today's action is that more tariffs from the us on chinese goods come to the united states uh, it doesn't appear that the administration is wanting to to talk about it and that you know the view is a lot of folks here think as we have china in 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 the perfect spot but i I do want to you know kind of put a little caution on that to think about that is that in talking to people in China um and people with Chinese perspectives, they have the very same perspective they believe they have the United States where they want them, where they want them uh they are they are settled in for the long haul, and you know this is not going to end anytime soon. It looks like uh you know we hate to joke it's a tweet away from a disaster, or a tweet away from euphoria that's solved but it just appears like everyone is, is settled in for a very long haul um, on this Chinese thing. And it, it's, it's not good for us, and I think there's a lot of concern among economists about this, about what it does to economies, what it does to consumers, uh, eating up more disposable income because it costs more for goods and services uh, than it would be if we didn't have tariffs. So I think there's a lot of concern there and a lot of um, I, just concern. I'll just leave it at that.
1: Well, I say this all the time, and I said it when this first started. These things tend to escalate because both sides, as you say, they don 't want to back down and both start feeling like they're they're in the they've got the upper hand and they're going to win if they just hold on, and these things drag on and on
7: no that's exactly right, and i you know I also think from a Chinese perspective, and I know people will be critical of this, but you know you, you think about the patience the Chinese have had, they have a civilization that counts back farther than we can even think about. And their 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 let's say their horizon of thinking about markets or thinking about their economy or thinking about their government, you know, it goes it's a year sort of perspective where, you know, Americans are we are famous for our impatience and our ability to we can think the next quarter but we can't think beyond that and so that is a concern I have as well is that you know their perspective is much different, much longer term and and this will this will they'll figure it out so. But you're right, excuse me, it's, it is very true, is that they just this could go on for a while because they've, everyone's dug their heels in very, very hard here.
1: It is then hard to find, as you said, good news because you have a big harvest yeah. coming in, hard to find good trade news. So, But yet, I, I hear analysts say, and I think you've said this too, I mean, you can, you can paint a bullish long-term picture for corn, but uh yep. <laughs> short term it's hard to see that right now,
7: well, it is, and I you know I probably if we can we can paint, let's talk about corn, we'll talk about feed grains, and we'll talk about you know wheat and corn, you know wheat and I've probably said this before as I kind of look if you look at the, the big three, soybeans are certainly the most berry story out there, and we don't need to beat that that horse, but you look at wheat as probably the most is the most positive story because of the demand for wheat because you don't have an Argentina crop to compete against. You also don't have a European crop to compete against. Now our exports haven't shown that yet, and I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, but I suspect as we get a little deeper into the year here, uh, into the crop you can do, into the calendar year here, that we will see an improve, improvement in U.S. wheat exports. You know, the other good story, if you have it, it's 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 a good news, bad news story. Uh, what I have hear from the Panhandle of Texas is that most everything looks really good as far as. Um, the crops down there—they've had good, they've had good moisture, so the crop is up, and the wheat crop looks as good as it's looked in years. Uh, the only caveat to that is, it's been pretty much topsoil moisture, not subsoil moisture. So, but if you look at corn—corn uh, corn has, you know, some upside potential. You are cutting stocks from a year ago, um, not as much as we thought. So that's that's the other side of that. If we could say, you know, there's, you know, on one hand, and then the other hand, um, you know, there is going to be. You know, this African swine flu um, is going to be bearish for pork up front because you're going to see a lot of liquidation of pork around, particularly in Europe and China. Um, So that's not necessarily bearish for, uh, bullish for feed, but as you get down the road here, whether it's the U.S. or whether it's other parts of the world that raise pork, you know, that demand for meal and for corn uh, could get a little bit more uh, friendly and, and help support corn prices going forward and meal prices for that matter, too.
1: And I can't help but wonder, Steve, as I watch harvest starting get underway, and I see these, uh, you know, the crops come off, and wonder about next year what'll be planted there. Now, obviously, many farms are in a rotation, so they're gonna, you know, sure. they'll stick with their rotation. But some of those decisions that this year went to soybeans, I wonder if those acres go back to corn next year.
7: Oh, I, I think there's no question. It's a great question and a great thing to bring up. And, and it's one of the things we've done, and it's it's a it's a challenge, is that farmers respond to prices and they plant they plant crops accordingly and i and that's a perfectly rational thing to do my concern is that we go we go from one extreme to the other so beans are horribly unprofitable so we won't plant any beans next year I, don't, I mean don't mean to be dramatic but you know you have a pretty substantial drop in in soybean acres and that's what we show in our modeling and then you see an increase in corn acres and and what happens is and the same thing happens when it comes to um when it comes to wheat is as you see these better wheat prices, you see this big surge in acres. And so what happens on the backside is you see a, a much more depressed price because of the increase in acres versus if you just had normal movement of acres back and forth. And so you get that euphoria in acres, but then you get the backside of, of bad prices. So, and, and I do think that there will be more corn acres planted in 19 because it is the more there is more potential for, or more opportunity, and more potential to have um, a probability or the potential to, you know, lock in a profit in the market.
1: And just the natural, uh, uh, the the you know, a lot of farmers like to plant corn anyway, so Absolutely. that kind of a signal will, will really probably kick that off. But I thought the same thing coming into this year when we 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 kind of felt it was going to be a lot of soybean acres. I thought well. When you have that big of an explosion in soybean acres you're, or or any crop, you're just asking then that to put downward pressure on prices.
7: Right, and that's exactly what we saw, you know, for, for soybeans. I was having a, a chat with a banker, and you said something you said earlier to remind me, is that, you know, we, we talked to farmers in, about looking forward to pricing, and you look at, you know, December 19, a Red Dees corn now at 3 4. You know, it was over $4 here just a couple of weeks ago. And and I'm not going to quite get this right, so I'm a little tongue-tied. But we tend to want to raise the crop and then sell it, and we need to kind of think about let's let's sell the crop before we plant it, because that way we can lock in some margins. And and we know, and you know, we have a lot more infrastructure underneath that production. We know crops can raise. We also know droughts happen, but we also have crop insurance now. We have a backstop, and, and let's use that backstop in our marketing. To help us do a better job of marketing, it gives us a bigger window for marketing versus just that that narrow window after we produce it. Then we have to say, "Oh boy, we got to get it, we got to get it sold and out of here before we, you know, plant the next crop or harvest the next crop." And so, try to lengthen that time period that you have the ability to market a crop versus trying to, you know, cram it into a, a 12-month time frame. So, well, that you, goes you with remind me of that.
1: I hear Go a lot ahead. of farmers now say, "Well, you know, I sold some earlier at a much better price. Wish I had sold more." But you know, that's just the age-old thing with marketing. It's easier said than done to sell something that you haven't even <laughs> uh, planted yet, right?
7: No, that's absolutely right. I mean, it is a lot easier to sell something that you've planted and seen and, and harvested than it is when you're not. But I think it's we have to think about you know all we have to think about that differently than we thought before because of you know the risk that's involved. Also, there's more risk involved because farmers are getting farms are getting larger, and and the fact that the margins are getting skinnier. And so, I think we have to think different than that. And and I might just say, on the flip side of that, think about your end users. You know, are are out there budgeting for you know 2019 and beyond already to buy. You know, they have to buy corn or soybeans or wheat, whatever the case might be, and they're trying to they're trying to budget for a crop that hasn't. They haven't even harvested the crop they're in now, let alone the crop that. Mm-hmm that they're going to budget for that haven't even been planted yet. So, you know, people have to make those decisions, and I would encourage farmers to think about that and look at that from another
1: perspective. All right, Steve, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Mike. Take care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst with Robo AgriFinance. All right, coming up next, the new CEO of the National Corn Growers Association, John Doggett, joins us next on AOA, Adams on
0: Agriculture.
3: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. A positive tone to the grain and oil seed sector on this Wednesday trading session. An hour into the day, soybean futures around six cents higher, penny higher in corn, five to nine cents higher in the wheats of Minneapolis, Kansas City, and Chicago. Corn and soybean futures fell yesterday after the U.S. enacted additional tariffs on Chinese goods, Tuesday's close in November soybeans below 821 and a quarter, a negative sign on the charts. 810 and a half seen as support. Old support from 821 and a quarter to 826 and a quarter now becomes resistance. December corn trending around a penny higher on this Wednesday. We plunged to a new contract low on Tuesday, looking to the downside. Technical targets are seen at 3.35 and a half, then 3.29 and three quarters. On the upside, minor resistance lies at 3.48 and three quarters. For the wheats in Chicago, as long as the 10-day moving average and resistance at 5.17 and three quarters holds firm, wheat bears retain the short-term technical edge. We have poked our head above that level during day trade on this Wednesday, but we have backed off. Hog futures finished higher yesterday as Tropical Storm Florence delayed processing in the southeastern United States. On this Wednesday, October lean hogs up 40 cents. State officials in North Carolina say around 5,500 hogs have been killed in flooding from that storm Florence. Live cattle futures near unchanged in the nearbys, 25 to 40 higher in feeder cattle. The Dow up 128 Crude oil up 44 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson.
6: Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a ThermoSpas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call ThermoSpas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852 thermospas hot tubs designed to improve your life call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to Mike Adams well, there's a new
1: CEO for the National Corn Growers Association, although he's certainly not new to NCGA. John Doggett is the new CEO, and he joins us now. John, welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and congratulations.
8: Well, thank you. It's good to be with you, and it's good to be the new CEO.
1: And as I mentioned, you're not new to the National Corn Growers. Uh, you have been working with them for some time.
8: Well, uh, I must have got something right over the, the, the last 16 and a half years, but, yeah, I started here uh, In 2002, after 11 years at the American Farm Bureau.
1: Well, you come on as a new CEO at a very interesting time, uh, trying to get a farm bill done and all the trade issues that are going on. Uh, What are your goals? Uh, What do you hope to be able to do as CEO of the National Corn Growers?
8: Well, you know, I think we're we're very much centered on getting back to basics and doing the things that, that we know how to do well. Uh, you know, when times are tough, uh, a lot of times we, we want to get that new program or that new shiny ball and and uh, come up with something new. But we're looking at doing the, the basic things that uh, are important to our, our states and important to our members, membership. Uh, we need to do maybe fewer things, but do them a whole lot better. Uh, the other thing is we need to be listening to the industry. We need to listen to our growers. We need to listen to our states. Uh, we need to have a better idea of what's going on out in the countryside and, and what what they're hearing, what they're feeling, and, and the uh, the conditions they're they're under.
1: We're talking with John Doggett, the new CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. John, you've uh, you've watched a lot of farm bills come together. What are, what are your thoughts on this one, and where we're at right now?
8: Well, you know, I was pretty and uh, pretty much the optimist in the office up until about. Uh, Uh, a week or so ago, and and, uh, we're getting down to the the tail end of this thing. Um, We've got to have it done by the end of the month. Um, Now is not a time to go ahead and be stalling on a farm bill. Uh, Things are tough in in farm country. Uh, Not only do farmers need a farm bill, but the bankers want to see a farm bill as well. And uh, we just don't see any reason why the Congress can't go ahead at this critical time not get a farm bill done. Um, You know, it was no secret that the the deadline was uh, uh, in about another 10 days. Uh, We've known that for for nearly five years. Uh, We need to get a farm bill done. Uh, There's really no reason that they can't find some way to negotiate a deal that is good for agriculture, and it's much, much needed.
1: You know, when we headed towards Conference Committee, the feeling was you had a a partisan bill on the House side, yet a bipartisan bill, it seemed, on the Senate side, I think the feeling kind of was uh, they'll hammer things out. It'll, the final bill will look more like the Senate bill probably, and they'll get this thing done. But now we're back to hearing these big differences, not only over SNAP, but over conservation and a lot of other issues. And it seems like we're hearing more about disagreement than we are agreement.
8: Well, unfortunately, that's the way things have uh, have become uh, here in Washington, D.C. Uh, no one wants to agree with anyone. Everyone wants to agree about everything. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, uh, the nation suffers. And, and certainly this is a, a classic example of that. Uh, farmers need a farm bill. Uh, the Senate did do a good job in, in getting a bipartisan bill uh, with 82 votes. Uh, I think they they set the standard. Uh, were there disagreements? Absolutely. Were there people who didn't get everything they want? Sure. But, you know, uh, that's the way it goes. But, but we need to, to uh, figure out how do we get an agreement that works for the majority of the people and um, clearly the, the disagreements that seem to have arisen in the last few days uh, it's pretty disheartening.
1: Then you add on all the other things going on right now with the Supreme Court uh, uh, hearings uh, on on Kavanaugh and what's happening, you got the spending bills and budget issues and things like that and plus Everything happening with trade, it's just a time when it seems like everything's up in the air.
8: Certainly is. And this has not been a very productive Congress. Uh they did get a tax bill done, they did get one Supreme Court uh, nomination taken care of, but uh they seem to have disagreed on just about everything, including does the sun come up in the east or in the west in the morning So um, you know, clearly uh those in Washington and I, I blame both sides of the aisle in, in both both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue and both sides of Capitol Hill. Um, they need to figure out how to get things done. Uh, we do that out in the rest of the country, and uh, we need to get some things done in this uh, in the last few uh, days here of the Congress uh, that will be good for, for agriculture, good for the country.
1: John Doggett is with us, the new CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. All right, John, what about trade? We're, we're Today's news, of course, more tariffs on China, China talking more about retaliation, still waiting to try to get something done with Canada on NAFTA. Uh, huge issues for agriculture.
8: Absolutely. And, and um, you know, uh, while we don't represent soybeans, almost all of our growers grow soybeans, and, and certainly they're, uh, they've taken a huge hit to their biggest market. Uh, we're very concerned uh, that we still don't have an agreement on NAFTA, uh, which would include uh, our biggest customer, Mexico. Uh, we're hoping that they can find some, some agreement with uh, Canada on the dairy issue and get this thing wrapped up. Uh, In the meantime, uh, the Mexican corn buyers that we talked to are very concerned about uh, the reliability of the the U.S. to provide feed grains. Uh, They're looking for a plan B. They'll continue to buy corn from us, but they're also building port facilities uh, to bring in feed grains from other other countries. Uh, I had the former head of uh, the Brazilian corn growers in my office yesterday. And um, he was smiling. He said, I'm selling uh, a lot of soybeans to, to China, and I'm selling corn to Mexico. And he, he's benefiting from the fact uh, that we've not resolved these trade issues.
1: Yeah, that is the frightening thing, isn't it? I mean, even we get these things resolved, we have still opened the door for competitors to come into some of our best markets.
8: Well, you know, um, Russia uh, imported a lot of wheat until uh, President Carter imposed the the grain embargo. And then they got busy and found other places to get wheat, and they started to figure out how to raise wheat on their own. And we don't export any wheat to to Russia. In fact, they're an exporter of wheat. So, uh, you know, uh, we we might be doomed to, to repeat history here.
1: Now, what are you hearing from your growers and your members on the Ag Assistance Package, which was for, you know corn certainly much less than soybeans and we we've heard the rationale and the explanation from USDA uh, and I think we understood about we sell more soybeans to China than corn obviously but uh, are you hearing concern about the the how wide a difference there was between the corn and soybean number
8: oh you know you you might imagine I've heard it maybe once or twice in the last couple weeks (laughs) yeah sure uh you know and and um the We've we've had the explanation from USDA, and and I'm going to be uh, meeting with Deputy Secretary uh, Sinski today uh, to talk about this again. Uh, we understand the rationale was that um, this calculation was done based on market loss and market uh, or market price reductions because of uh, those tariffs imposed by China. But you know it's rather insulting to. Uh, for our growers to see a penny uh, a bushel versus a dollar sixty-five for, for soybeans, you add on top of that uh, the difficulties we've had in the ethanol markets, uh, a reduction in demand of two point two five billion gallons of ethanol. Um, you know those are the kinds of things that that have folks pretty upset. So uh, we're looking to. to uh, have a good conversation with the administration over the next few months and and try to figure out what it is we're going to do to uh, fix some of the things that have been been broken in in the last uh, six, eight months.
1: Have you had many conversations with Andrew Wheeler at EPA?
8: I've known Andrew Wheeler for 20 years. He's a good guy. Uh, He's somebody that we can work with. Uh, But, you know, he has a boss, and uh, he's taking direction from his boss. But uh, Andrew's a good, honest uh, a broker and somebody that uh, I have a lot of respect for. Don't I have not always agreed with Andrew on a lot of different things, uh, but he's always been a good guy to work with.
1: Now, you brought up a good point because I keep bringing this up. Now, at some point, the president is the boss, and Andrew Wheeler or whoever's at EPA works for the president, and the president keeps talking about his support for renewable fuels and year-round E15 sales, things like this. I, I just keep waiting and wondering why we haven't seen the president just step in and, and say to EPA, you need to do this now.
8: Well, that's a question we've asked of, of Andrew, and, and uh, we've asked of the secretary and the deputy secretary at USDA. Um, the president still seems fixated on on having uh, something for the, the refiners, and we have pointed out over and over again that when we begin this this discussion about RIN prices, RIN prices were nearly a dollar. Uh, they're now down around 20 cents. Uh, we also have seen a, a two and a quarter billion gallons worth of, of rims that were waived, and uh, you know the, the the situation has changed a lot, but uh, the conversation has remained the same. And we're hoping that uh, the president will will have this conversation with Secretary Purdue again, and hopefully we'll we'll see some action. But there have been six meetings with the president on this issue and we still don't have, have a a resolution.
1: Yeah there, there are a lot of meetings and a lot of uh, you know uh, comments made that sound encouraging but uh, we haven't seen any action to back them up.
8: Well uh, we've heard a lot of the talk of the talk but now we need some walk of the walk.
1: That's right. Well John again congratulations on being named the CEO of the National Corn Growers Association and uh, best of luck to you and we look forward to working with you in the future.
8: Well, thank you so much, Mike. appreciate it.
1: Good to talk with you again. Thanks, John. Take care. John Doggett, new CEO of the National Corn Growers Association, although, as he pointed out, he's been working with the uh, corn growers for many, many years, and uh, we wish him well in uh, his new position. A lot of big issues that uh, corn growers, in particular agriculture in general, are dealing with right now. Well, we talked about ethanol there a little bit, what's going on with the RFS, some things happening as well in the, uh, the ethanol industry, some... Uh, Ethanol plants, there's been an announcement they're going to be shutting down. Does that have anything to do with the RFS waivers that uh, we uh, talk so much about being granted to, to some refineries? We're going to talk about that next with DTN reporter Todd Neely, who has been covering that story and more. So stay with us as we continue on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago.
0: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard DeVorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly 2 decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, the hard part
4: is over. Call Consolidated Credit now, 1-800-489-7204, 1-800-489-7204, that's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Licensed Debt Management Service Provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland forty-nine, Oregon DM 0031.
0: It's not just storing grain, it's storing quality. At FS, quality isn't just a promise, it's a statement. Our grain systems experts stay focused on what's ahead by providing state-of-the-art grain systems that protect grain quality in the bin, along with larger capacity bins that keep us moving forward. We're always looking for ways to optimize operations and ensure our customers are ready for what's next. So visit fsystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next.
4: Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth, as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniker. That lip stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try power swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: And welcome back. A reminder, this is National Farm Safety Week, but that's uh, something we need to observe year-round, of course, but especially during this busy harvest season. National Farm Safety Week reminds us that farming is a dangerous occupation. need to be careful. And uh, farm safety extends beyond farmers, too. All of us out traveling on these roads in rural areas, uh, hey, A lot of big equipment moving, a lot of extra traffic, and we need to slow down, be careful. We all tend to get in a hurry. Uh, We need to be patient, observant, and uh, let's work together to make sure we have a safe harvest season. Uh, On trade, of course, the China situation right at the top of the news again. China announcing yesterday it's going to retaliate with uh, the uh, duties uh, being placed uh, by the Trump administration again. And once China... Uh, implements their plan scheduled for Monday. Then a total of $113 billion in U.S. exports will be subject to tariffs, and the U.S. will have placed taxes or tariffs on a total of $253 billion in Chinese goods. So this thing continues to escalate. Um, China plans to retaliate meat products including lamb, salted beef, pig casings and hind legs, frozen and canned produce like peas and spinach, spinach, uh, refined ingredients ranging from soybean, corn, and coconut oil to processed oats along with coffee, teas, and liquor. So we'll keep an eye on that as uh, it continues to escalate rather than pull back. We take a look at NAFTA, what is going on there, and of course Time is kind of running out to to get something done there. There's been a self-imposed deadline that they're trying to meet. U.S. and Canadian officials uh, trying to get something worked out, but no sign of any breakthrough at this point. Um, We have to just wait and see whether or not they can get it done anytime soon. The Trump administration, of course, notified Congress back on August 31st that they plan to sign a deal with Mexico and maybe with Canada that would allow trade promotion law processes to uh, kick in and still enable uh, the Mexican president to sign the agreement before he leaves office. But time is running out on that. Under the law, the president has to submit a draft text to Congress 30 days after the notification or September 30th, and he cannot sign the deal until at least 60 days after that. And the Mexican economy secretary has said at least uh, 10 days would be needed to finish the draft text. So, do the math. If that means September 20th would be the target date to get something done with uh, Canada to get to get to get them into the fold. So you've only got uh, today and tomorrow on that. So time is certainly running short there. Uh, farm bill now well, doesn't look like any breakthrough yet. Uh, there's still you know the house is out this week although chairman conaway is in washington and last we heard they were trying to get together on the phone Uh, just four combined days legislative days were both the house and senate in session remaining in september um they're also working on a four bill uh, spending package that would include funds for usda and fda so that's part of all that what's going on in washington right now too and a final version of the legislation being negotiated by a House and Senate Conference Committee. So they've got a lot to uh, work on there uh, as well. So our friend Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas says, Sounds like from everything I understand, with a modest level of cooperation, those bills could also be completed. That's uh, the spending bill. So hopefully they're getting something done there. But uh, we're still waiting to hear anything positive on the farm bill. And... Uh, we're putting out requests to get some folks on with us to talk about that in the near future as well. All right, uh, looks like Todd Neely's not going to be able to join us today. Uh, sorry about that. A guest that was supposed to be with us yesterday that couldn't make it. Remember, I said that we were going to talk with the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, Larry Wooten, but at the last minute he got uh, called uh, for a conference call with the North Carolina governor. Certainly, we understand that. But uh, Larry Wooten is scheduled to be with us tomorrow to give us an assessment of hurricane damage in the state of North Carolina. As I mentioned yesterday, he was actually out on one of those uh, assessment tours, and uh, we'll get the latest from him tomorrow, uh, what he saw and what he is hearing. A lot of focus on uh, those uh, hog lagoons there in North Carolina, but a lot of other concerns too, as well as crop damage and things like that. So we will get the latest on that from him coming up on tomorrow's show as long as his schedule allows and uh, the governor doesn't call yet uh, another um, conference call on that issue, but certainly that could happen. So we look forward to getting that update uh, tomorrow. And with that, we're going to pretty well wrap things up for today here on AOA. Other than I just want to remind you, you can always reach me at MikeAdams at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Always appreciate hearing from you by email. You can uh, reach me on Twitter at MikeAdamsAg. want to hear from you on uh, different uh, topics we're talking about, get your opinions and uh, just anything you want to share with me. Appreciate you reaching out. Again, want to thank the folks yesterday in Clinton, Iowa. Uh, for turning turning out, and our affiliate there, KCLN, doing a great job. Uh, we appreciate them putting together the Ag Roundtable that I moderated yesterday. We had a good, good discussion with Ag leaders from both Illinois and Iowa, and uh, they shared their views on some of these issues that we talk a lot about, trade and uh, farm bill, but they also got into a lot of the important issues like um, water quality and nutrient management and things like that, and uh, very good discussion, so... Great to visit with the folks yesterday in Clinton, Iowa. All right, with that, we're going to wrap things up. Again, uh, coming up tomorrow, Larry Wooten, president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. We also um, hope to talk with an Illinois State Trooper, about farm safety and sharing those roads. I want to mention that again, it's, uh, when we talk farm safety, we, we think a lot about the being careful, working around uh, you know, the big equipment and make sure everything's shut off before you reach in and do anything. Those are all still very important issues. But uh, I know a lot of you listening uh, are not farmers and you're just out there on the roads. And uh, again, we're usually, all of us, we're in a hurry. We come up on slow moving equipment. We, we're impatient, we want to get around. Be careful. Slow down. Make sure everything's clear before you make that turn or try to pass somebody. And let's just all be careful and make sure we have a safe harvest season. We all need to work together on that. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Adams. Have a great and safe day, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
3: From the American Ag.
0: I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone.
6: For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. All right, crew, let's get her dug.
4: Honey, you wanna give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember?
6: No matter how large or small, your digging project may be, no matter how urban, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.